Welcome, everyone, to episode 30 of Startup BizCast. It's January 2008. I'm Steve Mullen, and this week's topic is When Business Partnerships Go Bad. Startup BizCast brings you small business news and advice, all in less than 15 minutes. It's produced by Endgame PR Podcast Production, and its home on the web is www.startupbizcast.com. Business partnerships are a lot like marriages. In both situations, a divorce can be quite messy. This week, I'll be talking to corporate attorney Joy Butler, who will give us some tips on making sure you're protected if your business partnership goes south. For marriage advice, you'll have to find a different podcast. That's coming up, but first we'll take a look at small business news in the BizCast Brief. President Bush had some encouraging remarks recently about small businesses and taxes. Speaking to the Union League Club of Chicago on January 7, he said in a time of economic uncertainty, small business owners need to know their taxes will stay the same. We don't need to be running up taxes on small business owners. After all, 70% of new jobs are created by small businesses in America. Increasing the tax burden on small businesses will make it less likely people will be willing to create new jobs. President Bush said he also hopes to ensure that recent tax cuts that were passed will remain permanent. A new survey by AT&T claims small businesses aren't prepared for disasters. The study said more than a third of small business owners don't have a plan that would ensure their businesses continue in the event of a fire, earthquake, or other disaster. The study said backing up your data is the most important part of any disaster plan. For tips on backing up your data and why it's important, check out Startup BizCast episode 23. Finally, you've got to love these surveys that don't actually tell you anything. Shore Payroll did a study to try to find out whether your birth order made you any more likely to be a successful entrepreneur. The answer was, no, it doesn't. According to the results, there's no significant difference in entrepreneurship between the first, second, and third-born children. More on those stories and more can be found in this week's Small Business Recommended Reading on the Startup BizCast blog. Time for this week's Startup BizCast interview. Businesses that fail to plan often fail. It's a fact of life. One area that needs a particular amount of planning is business partnerships, whether they're true formal partnerships or just alliances between suppliers and retailers. We're joined now by corporate attorney Joy Butler, who has information on how to form partnerships the right way and what to do when they go south. Joy, thanks for joining us on Startup BizCast. Well, thank you for having me on your show, Steve. Before we talk about partnerships, let's uh, talk a little bit about you. Can you tell me about yourself and your law practice? Sure. I am a business attorney. Much of my work is transactional in nature, so I negotiate a variety of contracts on all types of issues, such as joint ventures, financing, company purchases, and licensing agreements. Uh, Your listeners can find more details on my practice at www.joybutler.com. But one thing I will highlight uh, from among the tasks that I do, uh, because it's relevant to today's topic, is I help entrepreneurs and companies get into primarily and also out of business relationships. And what are the different ways that people can enter into business partnerships? Well, there's no one way. There are many ways that companies and individuals can work together. They can, for example, form a 
separate entity completely, like form a limited liability company or a corporation together. Um, alternatively, they may choose to do something a little less formal, for example, work together via some type of a strategic alliance or a licensing agreement or some type of a financing arrangement. Do you recommend, if, if two people decide they want to form their own company, do you recommend a, a written contract? Uh, absolutely. Um, your arrangement should be put into writing. Uh, it is true that verbal agreements can be valid, but by putting your arrangement down on paper, you accomplish two things. Number one, it makes you sit down and think about what your expectations are for this business arrangement. And then number two, if something does go wrong, it's much easier to prove what the terms of your business relationship were if those terms are in a written and signed document. Now, you've mentioned before to me that there were three questions that prospective partners should answer before finalizing their partnership. Could you run through those one by one and tell me why they're important? Uh, certainly. Uh, I do want to clarify first that I keep using the term partnership, but I don't necessarily mean that a partnership is the only way that people can work together. Um, as I said before, they can form a more informal joint venture arrangement or work through other types of agreements like collaboration agreements or joint venture agreements or licensing agreements. Okay, yeah, I, th I think we probably use the word partnership, I guess, generically in this case. Yes, yes, I'm using it generically. Um, and you can avoid a number of potential problems for your business relationship by thinking through your expectations for the business relationship and talking about those expectations with your business partner. And there are three questions you always want to ask yourself. So question number one, um, who owns the output of the business relationship? Will the parties own everything equally or will there be some other percentage split? And that question is especially important when you're dealing with copyrights, trademarks, and other intellectual property assets. Uh, to give you an example, uh, suppose you and your business partner begin offering a service and in conjunction with that service, you develop this really cool brand identity, a logo, and a slogan. And then somewhere down the line, you part ways. Well, which one of you can continue using that brand name and the brand identity after the relationship between the two of you doesn't exist anymore? That's one of the types of questions you want to talk about and put down on paper in the beginning while everyone is still friends. Um, area number two you want to consider, how is the money going to be split among the business partners? First of all, um, how much does each party put into the venture? Sometimes one party will put in significantly more cash than the other partners, or it may be a situation where one partner may contribute services and property rather than cash, and that's fine. But what the partners want to discuss is whether that will have any ramifications on the back end in terms of how they'll split revenue when it starts coming in. Will they share the revenue equally from dollar one, or does the partner who put in most of the cash get paid first? And you also want to think about in this area what happens if the business venture requires more money than originally anticipated which partner is going to be responsible for putting in that additional money. And if you know, one partner puts in 
the money and the other partners doesn't, again, does that have any ramifications on what the revenue percentage split will be when revenue starts coming in? Um, then the final area I pinpoint as a top three question concerns the responsibilities and rights of each partner. I mean, I have witnessed business relationships go south because of a disagreement over the hiring of, you know, a key advisor. So the business partners want to think about how those decisions are going to be made in the business relationship. Is it going to be one vote for each partner? Um, If that's the case and there's an equal number of partners, like two or four, then you also want to think about how you're going to break any ties. Um, The decisions could also be made via the percentage ownership interest in the venture, or it may be that one very important partner would have a veto power over certain decisions. Uh, Another aspect in this area area you want to think about is how much time does each partner need to put into the business? Is it a full-time commitment or a part-time commitment? And another aspect, um, is it okay if a partner is involved in another business or company that competes with this business venture? So those are, there are other questions that you need to address when you enter into a business relationship, of course, but those three I just talked about, ownership, money, and responsibilities, uh, those are among the most important. So let's assume that the worst has happened. Uh, say you've got a business partnership, things go south for whatever reason, there's no solid agreement in place. What should you do? My initial advice would be at the beginning, hopefully you put some type of an agreement in place and hopefully you put it in writing. Um, If there is nothing in writing and you're in business together, the law really classifies you as a general partnership. And if you cannot resolve your dispute without going to the courts, then you're going to be subject to the provisions that are in your state's partnership laws with respect to resolving your dispute. And that may resolve it in a way you do or do not like. So it's sort of a roll of the dice. So basically the the implication there, I guess, is that make sure you have that agreement because it could get awfully messy later if you don't. Yes. Make sure you have the agreement. Hopefully it's in writing. And one thing I like to do with all of the uh, business agreements that I write is put in some type of an exit strategy. And when possible, you know, I formulate that exit strategy so it doesn't have to destroy the business if the partners decide to go their separate ways. Um, to give you an example, if there's one unhappy partner and the other partners want to buy out his business interest, um, even if they have a written agreement, if the written agreement doesn't you know, address how they're going to value the business when it comes to um, calculating what the buyout price is for that individual partner who wants to leave, that can be a problem. So, you know, one way to resolve that problem, make sure it never happens, is to put in some type of an exit mechanism. For example, in that case, I would put in a provision whereby a neutral third party could come in and determine what the value is 
for the business, and the um, all the partners would need to adhere to that value. Uh, you might also put in a provision, for example, if it's a startup business that has limited cash, where they can pay that buyout over time rather than having to pay it in one lump sum. Okay. Sounds like a good place to wrap things up. Business attorney Joy Butler, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you, Steve. For more information on Joy and her business, visit www.joybutler.com. Joy also has a blog you can visit at www.businesstransactionsblog.com. Both of those links are found in the show notes for this episode. Please feel free to contact me if you have an interview or show topic idea, or if you have any comments or questions about any episode of Startup BizCast. The best way to reach me is via voicemail at 206 984 0860. That's 206-984-0860. You can also email info at or leave a comment on the blog. That's a wrap for episode 30 of Startup BizCast. Thanks for listening. I'm Steve Mullen. This podcast is proud to be part of the Blueberry Network. That's blueberry with no ease.com.